to Pin Pals, a conversation show discussing broken courtships, the British upper class, and keeping our youthful blooms. We're, of course, referencing Jane Austen's persuasion. I'm Katie, and joining me today, after taking a break from translating Italian musical numbers with so, so proficiency, Lady Sarah. Hello, I'm so glad to be back. It has been just our chow. That's the Italian phrase I can think <laughs> of to try to prove myself here. <laughs> All right, glad today, to be talking about persuasion again. We are back talking about volume two of persuasion. We'll check in on those wind worth of meters, <laughs> see if we uh, got them up a little higher or if they plummeted. <laughs> And uh, we'll, we're back with a couple of awards, but first we're going to open our show with a poetical summary of volume two. To Bath we go, but first to stop, Miss Anne revisits her friends the cross. The Admiral explains changes have been rationed, except for the one too many looking glasses. Then Anne and Russell head to Camden Place, where Sir Walter and Elizabeth have zero grace. They boast, brag, inflate their egos, ignoring Anne and all she knows. Help soon arrives in the form of Mary. Her letter reveals news quite cheery. Beneath Mary's moans of headaches and sore throats, a proposal from Bennett fills Anne with renewed hope. Wentworth is now free again, Will old wounds finally mend? The Harvels and the Cross soon arrive for Anne, another wonderful surprise. But there is sneaky Elliot and Mrs. Clay. Will they stick around to ruin her day? Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Love it. All right. So, uh, Persuasion Volume 2 picks up. They, uh, Lady Russell is brought back into the story and she and Anne go to Bath to catch up with Sir Walter and Elizabeth at their new digs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, what did you think of the opening? I thought it was I, I do want to say first, I did I I actually loved how the novel begins and you're with Anne and her primary family. Mm -hmm. And then volume two begins and it's about getting her older family um, or her kind of her, um, the family she's been staying with out and, mm -hmm. and she goes back to her originally, her original family. What did you think of? Of the beginning. Yeah. So I loved some little notes there. So we had kind of ended with this dramatic accident of Louisa's and Mary stays while Anne goes back home. And Anne is still, I think you called her Super Anne last time. She is still, or she's finding old nursemaids to help nurse. She's just saving and organizing everything. Um, Mary also does the same. She is supposed to be nursing Louisa, but instead gets Mrs. Harville to nurse <laughs> Louisa. So it's just these same, like you said, these parallels, these same situations are happening and you kind of get some resolution a little bit with Upper Cross, and then you're very uncertain of what's going to happen in Bath. So there's some excitement, some buildup, and dreading it, and you're kind of with her dreading it, wondering what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I love the dread you're mentioning because I feel like when we're put back, when Anne, which we have seen, Anne was kind of suppressed the first little portion of Volume 1 where we didn't spend a lot of time with her. And then we spent so much time with her and she is just, you know, so gracious and kind and wise and, and just such a, a wonderful person. So then to, to kind of force her back into that, it feels mm -hmm. like it, it feels really, it felt unnatural to me. Yes. Like this is not where she's supposed to be. And this is not where she thrives. Um, and I thought that was really uh beautiful the way that Jane Austen chose to structure that and I'm sure that was a very intentional choice um she's so wise yeah <laughs> and a result of the the consequences of the persuasion um really if Anne had not been persuaded she would not be back 
in this situation that she finds herself in, um, which is unfortunate, but a little funny <laughs> at parts. The humor picks up in that section for sure. <laughs> you know what? I do, I do find that I find I find myself laughing a lot when um, when Sir Walter is around. <laughs> or just being discussed in general. <laughs> Um, I, and I also like to see, I, and I, I don't know if it's because we know Anne so much better as a character or if she really is just continuing to change and to show, um, even more inner strength, um, where it's almost like the narrator is really pushing for her in this section of the novel. I don't know if you like picked up how I'm sure you did Well, they would, it would Elizabeth and Sir Walter were having a conversation and the narrator would insert a comment like and they didn't even listen to Anne or yeah. ignoring Anne the whole time and the narrator's kind of like prompting these digs like Anne is not one that should be ignored and we know now that anyone who is a person of good character is not going to ignore Anne yes yeah and I, I just I, I really loved how Jane Austen chose to structure all of this. But speaking of laughs, <laughs> we have a big award to hand out. <laughs> yeah. This is the biggest laugh out loud moment award, which the nom which Sir Walter is our primary candidate here. So we've got <laughs> We've got a few nominees uh, in this category. So, here are the nominees for Sir Walter's Biggest Laugh Out Loud Moment. <laughs> All right. This isn't directly Sir Walter talking, but this is about Sir Walter. And I really did laugh at this. Um, yeah. Prior to in going back to bath, she has to return with Lady Russell and they go to Killint Hall and the Admiral's showing them around and he's trying to be really gentle and gracious. Like we didn't mm. have to make that many changes. Um, but he says that one of the changes that they made was how there were so many mirrors in his dressing area in his little closet bathroom area that he had to haul out all of the mirrors. And he says he just kept a little one for shaving. And then he has a big monstrosity that he doesn't know what to do with. But he had to take out several. <laughs> and you know, Anne is just knowing exactly what this means. Just completely understanding it all. Classic How he's graciously Walter. trying to say it. <laughs> all right. So that was the first nominee. Okay. My second nominee. Um, okay. This is when he introduces Anne as his youngest daughter <laughs> to, <laughs> to, um, to Mr. Elliot and, um, the narrator then includes, there was no occasion for remembering Mary, who's <laughs> actually his youngest daughter. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He's in his own hemisphere. <laughs> he is. All right, Sarah, do you have a nominee for us? I do. And it is Sir Walter speaking. And I was going to try to summarize these words, but they are just too perfectly stated that I just have to just read them all. So he is talking about they love Bath, everything's great, but there's one issue that he has trouble with. And Sir Walter says, the worst of Bath was the number of its plain women. He did not mean to say there were no pretty women, but the number of the plain was out of all proportion. He had frequently observed as he walked that one handsome face would be followed by 30 or five and 30 frights. And once, as he stood in a shop in Bond Street, he counted 87 women go by, one after another, without there being a tolerable face among them. <laughs> Can you imagine him just peeking out this window, <laughs> just counting all of these women that he does not deem pretty enough? I mean, that is some dedication. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, 
All right. So what are you voting for here? You got you've got the uh, how many women did you say it ended up being? Eighty seven. Eighty seven. Eighty seven women. Eighty seven frights. Eighty seven frights. The um, too many looking glasses in the dressing room or forgetting Mary completely. <laughs> what do you think? The, we're going the, the imagery of the quantity of mirrors that would warrant someone having to even make that comment. It's just too beautiful of an image that you just so cannot funny. help but laugh out loud. All right. I mean, I did laugh out loud in that moment. Okay. <laughs> then we have a winner. The winner for Sir Walter's biggest laugh out loud moment is when the Admiral <laughs> discusses having to haul out all of the looking glasses from Sir Walter's old closet bathroom uh, <laughs> dressing I area imagine taking half a day <laughs> <laughs> okay so volume two gives us a lot of really good sir walter uh content there and it's just more mm -hmm. of the same we have him going over the original meeting with uh mr elliot when mr elliot tells him he doesn't look a day older. He looks great. He hasn't aged in all these years. And unfortunately, that's in quotes, you know, he cannot return <laughs> yeah. the favor <laughs> and yeah. tell Mr. Elliot anything different. I mean, he's honest. I say. <laughs> Absolutely. And he and Elizabeth seem, they see him in the exact same place. They're doing the same type of stuff. Uh, what were your, did you have any takeaways from Elizabeth about Elizabeth at this section? So I have um, that she's just, well, these, they're very static characters, but they continue these little tidbits. So Mrs. Clay's flattery of her, of Elizabeth, she just soaks it all up. You know, she's loving it. And then, of course, she thinks Mr. Elliot has come for her, even though we kind of, seem to have almost rejected her however many years ago but just the amount of confidence that she exudes to be like yes I hear these things I'm processing it and this is my time to shine yeah it's amazing how Mrs. Clay has just really wormed her way in there we mm -hmm. I don't think we mentioned did we even mention Miss Clay last I don't know if we did yeah Mr. Shepard's odd daughter yeah um, but she has really taken up quite the acquaintance. And of course she's, mm -hmm. it's odd for them because she is not the same, um, status level that mm -hmm. they are, but the flattery, um, has really just gotten her in. And it's so sad to see this with Anne. Um, there's a particular portion where Elizabeth is talking to Mrs. Clay and, and, I don't think she means to overhear, but you know, they just mm -hmm. don't pay any heed to Anne. And she says, don't worry about Anne. She's not, she's of no value to me and you're invaluable. She says something like that to Mrs. Clay. It's, it's very disturbing. Of course, her appearance is improving now that her freckles are gone. Thanks to Sir Elliot's uh, magical cream. <laughs> that he really uh, insists Anne must be taking. <laughs> See, because she's beauty tips. That's why I picked him as a friend last time. I, know, I, I read that. Him. And I thought, man, Sarah was spot on. <laughs> she would really, she would, she would get back that glow if she yes. was friends with Sir Walter. <laughs> okay. And then Mary, she's gone. She's back at, at Upper Cross. She's in line. She's in Upper Cross. She is, it was a little sad. We had to be away from Mary for a while mm -hmm. um, until we get her, her letter. A big long letter made oh. up for it. <laughs> Tell us about the letter. So very action-packed letter. So of course, true Mary fashion, everything is the worst. Like Christmas, the children are too long from the holidays. And then I like a couple lines down. She says that Miss Harville must be odd mother to part with her children for so long. <laughs> Even though Mary would be all about that. And she 
give some very interesting news about Louisa. Okay, before we hit that news, I mm-hmm. thought it was really funny that you just said the Harvilles, Mrs. Harville must be such a, a odd mother. When isn't it? You correct me if I'm wrong, but is it in the same letter where Mary says we can come stay? We don't have to bring the children. They can stay at the big house for it, four it to is. six weeks. <laughs> like three lines later. Just wanted to make sure I was remembering that correctly. The ink was not dry on the <laughs> Mary. And she gets the worst sore throats. Don't oh, yes. read that out, please. <laughs> the butcher said they were coming sore throats. And hers would, of course, be the worst. Of course, naturally. Um, gosh, she's so funny to me. Um mm-hmm. Okay, so with the letter, there's a really, really big reveal in the letter. Big reveal. Okay, tell us. Louisa and Benwick engaged. Oh. And then the little snub, Mary rubs it at the end that I told you he didn't like you, Anne. I told everyone. I know. That was, I am validated. I know. Anne's sisters just constantly with the digs, you know. And Anne is just so, I, you know, just her character is so wonderful because she doesn't hold it against them for being that way. Um, you know, she's just so, mm-hmm. she continues to help and assist in whatever way she can. And she certainly doesn't engage in the same type of um, rudeness that they do. Mm-hmm. She, there's no hard feelings there from hand, um, which I think is just says a lot pretty impressive yeah she is just a gym Um, yes okay so Benwick and Louisa are engaged what did you think we read that because um okay so I read Persuasion about a month ago in its entirety and then I'm rereading it right now but prior to that I hadn't read it in like you know 15 years or something like that and you hadn't read it in that long. And so you're rereading it for the first time now. So were you surprised about that revelation? I was, because I did not remember it. I didn't remember that happening. And I feel like Austin, this or the narrator, described them so differently. You know, Louisa was kind of silly and fun. And Captain Benwick had just been mourning, I don't remember, was it six months? And then... To think of those two coming together is pretty shocking. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like everyone's coming together. <laughs> Fell in love in six weeks. Uh, do you think it's true love? I don't know. Is I mean, what else rebound? could it be? Okay, is he on the rebound? Is it simple plot convenience? It is pretty convenient. (laughs) (laughs) It is pretty convenient. The one eligible bachelor that was around (laughs) just happened to fall in love with Louisa. With her unsure future. Okay. um, One of the things they do mention, you know, a lot that he's quite the reader. Um, And of course his relationship with Anne and, you know, I just mean the, the brief time they spent together. It revolved around literature and poetry and books. And she's trying to get him to read less poetry because the poetry is so emotional and feeling it. It keeps him in his dark place yes. and he needs to branch out and read some prose or something. <laughs> yes. Um, and then you have Louisa, who's who's not seemingly a reader at all. Um, but Anne feels for sure they fell in love over poetry and that she's probably you know, quite the reader now. Um, Maybe he introduced it to her and it was something she just hadn't tapped into. I know it must be. Um, Charles does mention later in volume two that this has kind of changed her demeanor, um, that she doesn't seem to like loud noises anymore. What did you think of that? I, well, as someone who knows some people who've had concussions, I think that's normal. Uh, I don't know if that'll be her. 
it does seem to have very much changed her spirit. Like she was kind of a free spirit and very resolute. And now she seems like she'll be much more becalmed, very, I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of sad for her, but I guess, or it's just maturing a lot sooner. Yeah, it could be either, right? Um, I know just as I was reading, I was like, oh, is this a good match? Should I be happy for this? I mean, of course, he seems, everybody seems to love him. And mm-hmm. he seems like he has a mm-hmm. great character. And Anne, of course, speaks really highly of him and thinks he's got a wonderful character. Um, so I think it'll be okay there. <laughs> but yeah, maybe have to wonder. her. Can she liven him up? So. Well, that's that's the hope, I think. We need yes. to see more evidence of him becoming livened up, though, I think. Yes. So Should have done a jig somewhere at the Christmas party. Just one little line. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So when we ended our podcast last time, we were talking about these possibility of love triangles. And, mm. of course, now that love triangle is put off the table. We play with the idea for a little bit at the beginning of volume two they're kind of waiting for him maybe he'll come around the neighborhood lady russell can't wait to meet him charles is sure lady russell will love him and and mary's convinced he has no interest in Anne and all of that but there was another possibility of a big love triangle and that's the more central one i think um, that's going on and that includes Mr. Elliot. Okay. Charming. <laughs> Charming, Mr. Elliot. Okay. As you were reading volume two, and mm-hmm. of course they remeet. They remeet pretty early. He comes by mm-hmm. the house, I think, at around 10 o'clock at night or yeah. something. As early as is polite. <laughs> <laughs> and then um Anne is properly introduced to him and then they just start hanging out with him a lot. What were your thoughts before? So Anne has kind of a decisive moment where she knows she is not going to pursue anything with Mr. Elliot. Mm -hmm. But before she decides that, were you thinking he was a possibility? I did think he was a possibility. I did think she was kind of ready to maybe look at something else because of what had happened or just being open to it slightly. And he was so polite. He was so gentlemanly. Um, I think he's handsome. I'm trying to remember. You think with Sir Walter, I'd hear more, remember more description of what he looks like, (laughs) but he has good taste. He's excellent conversation, but Anne has one little unsettling feeling, which that was enough to get my spidey senses up to be on the lookout, uh-huh. <laughs> be on the watch. Because Anne is a very good judge of character, as they would say. Gosh, she sure seems to be. I mean, even so Lady Russell, one of the things about um, Mr. Elliot is Lady Russell is kind of championing his fan mm-hmm. club for Anne. <laughs> she <laughs> like, totally is. <laughs> She really wants them to get together um, because part of that is because she, if Anne is to marry Mr. Elliot, then when her father passes, then he will claim her father's title and she will get to be um, Lady Elliot, like her mother. And that thought is something that that is precious to Anne as well. Mm -hmm. But Anne, she has that sense like no something is not quite right here mm-hmm. he is too polished he is um always saying the right thing but never showing any sort of emotion really mm-hmm. and so she pretty at first she's kind of playing with the idea like oh she does enjoy his conversation mm-hmm. and she does think that but then um there is a specific passage where she says she could just never be with him and she says something um that she loves warmth and enthusiasm and she loves she wants a man who shows warmth and enthusiasm and sometimes says a careless word or does something Mm -hmm. that they regret versus someone whose tongue is always the same Mm -hmm. perfect (laughs) again realness she does (laughs) kudos to Jane Austen again gosh I love her she because now both um Anne and Captain Wentworth 
separately have said what they are looking for in a spouse and what the the things that they're saying is one another, you know? (laughs) Yes. Will it happen? Will it happen? Okay. Well, then there's all these big um, bombshells about Mr. Elliot that we find out. Um, Anne knew. Anne knew something was not right about her, his past. She knew he was moving on from his marriage too quickly. Um, and he wasn't carrying the same somberness um, that mm-hmm. Midwick was that he had. Uh, and so she feels weird about that. She thinks he's too, he's too smooth in his speech. And there's yes. just something off about it. Charming Fox. The charming Fox. Exactly. Um, but then we meet Anne's good friend, Mrs. Smith, who has personal knowledge mm-hmm. about all of this. And um, Mrs. Smith reveals how He's basic. Well, not only did he say a bunch of mean things about Sir Walter and Anne's family in the past, but he also t- took money from Mrs. Smith's husband and kind of led to their financial ruin. And then after he died, he wouldn't help Mrs. Smith, even though she has these properties in the West Indies that if uh, if someone would just help her claim, she could get she could not be poor. Oh, and we just find out he is a snake. The worst. Yeah. He is a snake in the grass. Yeah. What did you think about this during this revelation? It was another kind of too convenient of all the people, of all the situations. <laughs> and she kept the letter, even though he was her husband was very clandestine with his letters. But I loved that it happened. So let me get that straight. <laughs> I love that it just, because it gave Anne that just clear conscience and saw her way forward and just made the path for her that much easier. (laughs) And let her know, I am a good judge of character. I need to trust myself. I know, I knew this and it's being proven a thousand times worse than I even thought he was. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I, I just think it's so symbolic and it is the theme of the novel. It is persuasion. I mean, here again, you have Lady Russell who is trying to persuade her to pursue this man. And on the surface, it's the perfect match. It's everything her family wants for her. Um, mm-hmm. He's the one that's going to inherit the title. He, uh, the family now approves of him. Uh, and he has all, he's checking all of these boxes. And they're trying, I mean, Lady Russell is really trying to get Anne. But I feel like he is this symbol of what persuasion leads to. And if Anne is persuaded a second time, she'll fall into this hole of uh, this dire circumstance. Of, oh, yes. You know, and so, yeah, I think this is really well done, even though it is, uh, there's a <laughs> lot of plot convenience here. Um, I still love the symbolism of it. And I love how Anne is, Anne straight up tells Lady Russell, we would not suit each other. Um, She tells her no. And so you see Anne, she's not, she is not who she was. Yes. Well, even to visit Mrs. Smith, she tells her family no. And they're like, you don't want to go visit these wealthy nobility and she, she holds her guns. They insult her, they, everything. And she says no and goes and sees Mrs. Smith. You just see her. She's evolving. Yes. No, persuaded. no, she is a totally different person, I think, than she was eight and a half years ago. Um, and she's really, I mean, she's just grown into someone even greater. Um, although I'm sure she was wonderful when she was 19 as well. <laughs> All right, so we have Mr. Elliot. We figure out he is no good. Um, no and Anne knows that. And she figures it out pretty early. She, you know, it's great. Um, but then we have Wentworth come back into the story. So he's kind of been missing from the first part of volume two. Um, and 
yeah, they meet. It's it's um, a bit of a drizzle, a light rain outside. They go, <laughs> they have to go inside to seek shelter from the rain, and they bump into each other. There's some embarrassment, uh, yeah. but then it seems like he's really warmed up to her from their their previous encounters. What do you think? What do you think of all of this? Well, I did. It, you know, it was mortifying. So to first, <laughs> and then also, I'm just wondering what kind of drizzle it is. It's described as men can be out, but the women can't. So. <laughs> Always. <laughs> what kind of rainforest that is? <laughs> but uh, so I well, I was so happy them bumping into each other. But you're just waiting because you know, at any moment, the worst possible person is going to show up because you're awaiting him to get a carriage for her. And you know Wentworth's going to recognize this guy because he was giving him the evil eye when he was checking out. Yes, back he in was. So you're just waiting and you're like, this is going to be misconstrued. This is going to result in miscommunication. And you're oh, just so as, an, as the reader, as the audience member, your your yes. stomach is just in knots because you're you can feel the, the tense, dread, the angst, <laughs> the angst of the situation. <laughs> yes, that is exactly it. Because I'm just I'm just knowing for poor Anne, this is going to be beyond awkward, and there's no way for her out of it. Well, at the time though, um, when he comes back. We know the engagement is off, but we don't know yet what Wentworth's true feelings are. So there's a little bit of, um, you know, he's so sweet when he offers the umbrella and he offers Mm -hmm. to walk with her. And so there's like a little hint, like, oh, okay, maybe he's interested in Anne, but there's, there's still some. I don't know. Is he interested in Anne? Or is um, he just polite? <laughs> or is he just polite? And I think Anne is feeling all of those things as well. Okay, so we have that. And then they begin these series of bumping into one another. Uh, and they, they that see... That must be tiny. <laughs> and, well, they do run with the same acquaintance pool. They do. So, <laughs> there is that. But they decide to go to the Italian. What what is this? The Italian. It's not Con- an opera concert. That's the word. <laughs> well, they call it a concert room because in my mind, opera. Like my original thought is it's this huge area. Uh huh. But then they call it a room. I've never been to a concert in a room. I think that would be a little awkward to someone that close to you, just really belting out some. <laughs> Because it's Lady, aren't they the patrons or something? Yes. It reminds me of Downton Abbey. Did you watch Downton Abbey? I have. And they have like sometimes at Christmas or they put on a performance every once in a while when they do it in in one of their Mm -hmm. huge rooms. And it kind of reminds me of that. But then how did all the public get invited to this? Or, you know what I mean? How did... I don't think I'm guessing there's layers of seats. Uh huh. Yeah. I was really, I really had trouble envisioning it because I wanted to see an opera. But then I don't know how you'd be seeing people pass by. She said something about a poem or something where someone said, if I can't be visible on the bench, it's, I might as well be home. (laughs) (laughs) If I can't be observing everyone, (laughs) that's what everyone's really there for is (laughs) people watching. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this is where they really start to, in my opinion, they're kind of both prepared to see one another and they really kind of seem to, to hit it off. And it says he enters mm-hmm. the room and he's giving her a slight courtesy bow or something like that. And then she offers him a gentle, how do you do? <laughs> or something, yes. which is apparently invites him into this Very conversation <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think it's not forward, right? But mm-hmm. I wondered about that greeting. Was it just that he knew that about her that she was opening the opening this up for conversation, and he knows her so well that he knew she wanted mm-hmm. conversation with that line, or was that a standard? Um, if you want a well, man to talk like, to you, you say, "How do you do?" <laughs> She's showing she's not ashamed, right? Because Sir Walter and Elizabeth are right behind her. Uh And she's addressing him 
to engage them in conversation. So you're right. That that has to be a key part of it. Um, because he has that that hiccup still. Mm-hmm. He's unsure. Um, can she go against her family uh, at this point? Which of course she can. Like we know yeah. that as the readers. We know yes, yes, she will go against them. Um, but he doesn't know that yet. No. Yeah. Um, and then I just found all of this again a bit like what you're saying with the stomach and knots how how Mr. Elliot keeps inserting himself right next to Anne and in all these conversations asking her to translate although I did think it was great when she's telling him she's not that great at it and he's like oh right you're doing this flawlessly and comprehensively in English (laughs) but no you're not very good at it (laughs) 18th century sarcasm (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I did really enjoy that yes. amusing moment. Um, but other than that, you know, I detest, I loathe, I loathe he Mr. Was so Elliot. In the way. So oh, in the yes, way. just so in the way. Um, do you, and you think he's doing that on purpose? Eh? I think he is. I do. I think he it's is. Just too intentional. No one can bumble their way through that much intentionality. So it's interesting because um, Wentworth, I don't know who else is noticing Wentworth fancy Anne. If um, Mr. Elliot is just noticing that because he has designs to attempt to marry Anne for his own benefit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then uh, they have this moment at towards the end of the concert where um, she's monitoring the changes of his face and I just really think this is so special about Anne and Wentworth that they have the ability to read each other's faces um, so well and kind of interpret what they're thinking and she can tell he's bothered but she can't quite put her finger on why and then she invites him into conversation again and they're chatting and then Mr. Elliot interrupts and then Wentworth (laughs) skedaddles and she done. can pinpoint that it's jealousy. Yes. And this has given her an excitement, you know, like a hope that, oh my goodness, has he, has he forgiven me for the past? Is there still hope here? And as she keeps saying, she needs an hour to herself in her room to process all of these thoughts. I love her. What do you think she's Worked doing? Up with emotions. She's like, I just need to go. <laughs> Again, I feel like that's tonight. me. <laughs> yes. I can definitely relate. We are trying to talk to people and your mind is definitely somewhere else. Uh-huh. And she's having to translate Italian while her mind is somewhere else. <laughs> Poor Anne. And she does it. She has such a sweetheart. And she probably does it with a smile too. You know what I, I mean? Know. She is so kind-hearted and so she good. Um, okay, so all of this is is just building up to the moment where the the climax, the conclusion, where it's not going to be avoided anymore. So there are these little mishaps where it's say, is she going to, is Mr. Elliot going to ruin everything for them? Mm-hmm. Or will Wentworth finally, because it just seems like someone just needs to tell the other one how they feel. And yes. some of the frustration in these books is that the men and women can't speak as openly or as freely with one another as they can in our society today. They have to like obey these rules um, and there are people always around. <laughs> yeah, All there's the people time. always around. Of course, they're all they're frequently in these large rooms with different sitting areas. It seems so. You sometimes you can escape to a different area of the room, but you have to do it without drawing suspicion. <laughs> Having an animated conversation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I saw Mr. Uh, or, I'm sorry, Captain Harville. Um, he invited Anne into conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, in the moment we're about to get to. And he says, hey, come here. I have, uh, I, I want to talk to you, bend your ear. He says something like that. And I mm-hmm. think, why can Whitworth and Anne just not do that at some point and have a private conversation? I know, because I, I don't think there was any suspicion of anyone in that group that those two 
were together or would even like each other. It doesn't they would seem just think like they were talking people. over there. I know. It seems like nobody is shipping them. <laughs> the romance worth it if there wasn't the angst to get there, though. <laughs> so true. Okay, 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 okay. This was my favorite part of the whole book. So finally, they are in one of these larger rooms. You've got some ladies chatting in one location. And then Captain Wentworth is going to sit down and he's writing a, le a letter. And then Captain Harville invites Anne into this conversation. And he reveals how he is... Um, a little a little disappointed about Binnick and Louisa because of he Binnick was previously in, engaged to his um, sister mm -hmm. Fanny and they were quite in love and so he doesn't know how he could just move on from his sister Fanny so quickly and um, it was amazing so he held in such high esteem compared to Louisa I think yes I know Fanny seems like she was a darling mm -hmm. And what a good um, yes and so they're having this conversation and it it brings about this conversation of who loves longer and harder men or women and they're going back and forth and then um captain whitworth who is out of earshot by the way he should not be listening into this conversation <laughs> apparently hears it all um mm. Okay, tell me about this. What did you think about all of this? Oh, loved it. So probably my two favorite lines from the book are in this experience. So in their conversation, Anne says, women loving longest where existence or hope is gone. So it was just a beautiful line and it's a beautiful conversation. And even Mr. Harville is convinced by her because she's so good. Like, whatever you say, and I just can't argue. Um, and I love that he's really honed in on her voice and pretty much dot whatever letter that is. Purposely <laughs> 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 in a room crowded full of people um, over in the corner. Oh, my gosh. The moment that really got me is when his pin dropped. Um, oh. And it's it's like they're chatting captain harville mm -hmm. and um Anne are just going back and forth about this and it says they hear his pin drop and she kind of looks over like, what's going on over there and it says she thinks perhaps he scooted closer <laughs> <laughs> like his chair's in a little bit of a different position i don't remember that chair <laughs> oh you know like took close. his breath away Yes. And so I think beautiful. it's given him the hope. Um, mm -hmm. And so I have to read the letter because I just think it is oh, so good. The best part. Who wouldn't want it? Who wouldn't oh want it? Oh my that? gosh. Oh, he comes up. I just love the whole situation around this too, mm -hmm. how he orchestrates it. Um, and so they're getting up to leave because they have to and then he comes back in because he has quote forgotten his gloves <laughs> and <laughs> and drops off this letter or just um I can't remember if he leaves the letter or the letter was already left there or but he somehow mm -hmm. draws it to Anne's attention yes. okay the letter with a direction hardly legible to Miss A.E was evidently the one which he had been folding so hastily while supposed to be writing only to Captain Bennett. Her eyes devoured the following words. I can listen no longer in silence. I must speak to you by such means as are within my reach. You pierce my soul. I am half agony, half hope. Tell me not that I am too late, that such precious feelings are gone forever. I offer myself to you again with a heart even more your own than when you almost broke it eight and a half years ago. Dare not say that man forgets sooner than woman, that his love has an earlier death. I have loved none but you. Unjust I may have been, weak and resentful I have been, but never inconstant. You alone have brought me to bath. For you alone, I think and plan. Have you not seen this? Can you fail to have understood my wishes? I had not waited even these 10 days could I have read your feelings as I think you must have penetrated mine. I can hardly write. I am every instant hearing something which overpowers me. You sink your voice, but I can distinguish the tones of that voice when they would be lost on others. Too good, too excellent creature. You do us justice indeed. 
you do believe that there is true attachment and constancy among men. Believe it to be most fervent, most undeviating in FW. I must go uncertain of my fate, but I shall return hither or follow your party as soon as possible. A word, a look will be enough to decide whether I enter your father's house this evening or never. Whoa, that's passionate. That's the warmth and feeling. And that's the warmth and the for. passion that Anne wants and needs and desires. And deserves. <laughs> and deserves. Yeah, of course she needs some time to recover from that because Anne would be nothing without her recovery. Yes. <laughs> and not really given it. <laughs> some things I really loved about this letter are just the over top, the top confessions of love. There's no doubt now where he stands. He just didn't have the opportunity. And every time he, I, it seemed like maybe he would have the opportunity. Mr. Elliot was um, interrupting mm -hmm. them. So I feel like here finally is his chance um, to finally tell her. All right. What did you think while you were reading it? Oh, loved it. He's laying it on the line. All those pent up feelings. That's what the I've loved none but you. That is the perfect. It is definitely romance magic there. Everything <laughs> you'd want tied up. And he's finally, like you said, we've been waiting for this expression of one of them to open up and actually say how they feel, and he does it. And through a letter, which just seems even more perfect, because it's it less awkward if I, you could read it over and over again. Oh, it's just beautiful. And I just, I really do love the circumstances around it. I love that he's listening to this conversation, which gives him hope to write the letter. I love how his pen drops because he can't believe what he's hearing. Um, mm -hmm. I love that he can distinguish the tones of her voice when she's speaking too low, but he's so honed into her and he's mm -hmm. listened to her so well for so long that he can, that he knows her voice and what he she's knows. saying. Yeah. Well, it's very, I don't know. So my book had, I have a Wordsworth classic edition that Jane Austen actually wrote different chapters for that. And then she submitted them in for review and changed it. And she took the scene that that is right there with the letter writing and overhearing. That's the part she rewrote and changed. So I read the original way she was going to have them come together. And this one is definitely better. So Tell me about that. Tell me about the original okay. one. So it is crazy awkward. Um, but <laughs> when it happens, so when they say the big feelings, Anne is had just learned about Mr. Elliot being scum of the earth and she's going and she wants to go straight away to tell Lady Russell this guy's scum of the earth and on her way Admiral Croft, Admiral Croft stops her and says oh you've got to visit Mrs. Croft she would love to see you and Anne is so politely trying to just get out of there and deal with her feelings and what's happening but she cannot let him down and she she perfectly makes she asks, okay, it's just Mrs. Croft in the house. I'll say a quick hello and then leave. And as she's going up the stairs and she just opened the door, Admiral Croft goes, Oh, and Frederick's up there. <laughs> <laughs> so she opens the door and Frederick's standing there, Wentworth. Mrs. Croft is in the other room getting a dress fitted. So it's gonna be a while. Admiral Croft calls Frederick out and talks to him about something. And then Frederick comes in and he has to, Admiral Croft has tasked Frederick with asking Anne if they should let go of their, their rent or their lease on Kellynch Hall because he heard that Anne is marrying Mrs. Mr. Elliot and should they relinquish their lease so they can go live there. And Wentworth has to ask this of Anne. And oh he asks. Oh my goodness. So then oh, Anne awkward. reveals there will be no marriage to Mr. Anne says there will be no Mr. Elliot. And then she uses several of the lines that were in the other part where they both kind of declare their love. And then Mrs. Croft comes down and can sense something in the room. And she keeps inventing excuses to leave and go be busy with other things. And they have this huge amount of time to talk to each other. So kind of crazy. <laughs> is it because uh, does she does Mrs. Croft seem to know that they 
she seems so then Anne describes it as like she has a woman's sensibilities to be able to tell so not really a hint that maybe her and Frederick have talked about it or I don't know how well they talk to each other but definitely it would have been a very different conclusion and experience so okay happy she went with the letter oh I just the letter scene is I mean when I read that I took a picture of it with my phone and saved it in my phone. And like, if I'm having a bad day, I like <laughs> Captain Wentworth's letter. While eating chocolate. <laughs> you pierced my soul. Nibble, nibble, nibble. <laughs> oh, yes. It's too perfect. <laughs> it's really great. It is so perfect. That's, uh, that's what you were waiting for the whole book. It right is. There. And it made the whole book. I cried a lot too when I read it the first time. Oh, mm -hmm. and you know what? I think there's just these, this subtle, the way that they know each other, I think mm -hmm. is what I love so much. Cause he says, you can just give me a look, which is, which is what ends up happening is she gives him a look, but it's like, um, of course that, Charles offers to take her home. Not really, or he's fallen told, you know, to yes. take her home, even though he wants to meet the man showing the gun. gunsmith. See a man um, about a gun. Yes, he wanted to see the man about the gun. And so um, they're walking home, and she says she hears the familiar, she can recognize his footsteps, and he's got this quick gait, and she hears, mm -hmm. you know, and then she sees him, but she knew he was coming. And that, I mean, all of that is just so romantic how they are yes. so in tune with the nuances of each other's behavior. He can distinguish her voice. She can hear his footsteps. And then um, she can dial in to give him a look good enough, which I don't even know what the look was, but he recognized it and had mm -hmm. instant relief. And then it was fine. Eight and years. I, <laughs> yes. I mean, it's just, it's, it, I just was like, this is so romantic. How well this couple knows each other, um, you know, and then they go on to have conversations that, um, and especially the narrator includes how these eight years have probably matured them and given them an even stronger bond. Um, because they've been tried and because they know each other's characters even more. And, you know, it's all this this stuff that they're just going mm -hmm. to be, you know, A-OK -okay because they've already done so much and been tested so okay. much. No doubt in anyone's mind. Yeah. And I will say uh, in their, their discussions that follow, uh, I love, you know, how he becomes we finally get to know exactly what was going on in his mind in volume one, which is, mm -hmm. yeah, he was angry and he was resentful and he mm -hmm. was doing a lot of this flirting and this courting out of those feelings versus an authentic love, which leads me, Sarah, before we do our Wentworth and meter to some apropos or a big no, no. <laughs> 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 okay. All right. Here's the situation. Mm -hmm. Captain Wentworth, who we now know and love. <laughs> I don't know if you do. I guess we'll see in the meter. But <laughs> he went up on my meter. I'll just yes, say that. It should have. Um, but one of the things that happens after Louisa falls, he hangs out with her in line until he knows she will make a full recovery. And then mm -hmm. he basically just leaves. He goes to visit his brother for days and days and days and days <laughs> and is not there to nurse her or talk to her. Mm -hmm. And so that falls to Benick, uh, which is how they fall in love. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, then they fall in love, they get engaged. He is relieved. <laughs> yes, he's so thankful that he won't have to marry her. My first apropos or big no-no. Um, leaving this girl you have been courting after she's had a significant brain injury, 
who you were involved in <laughs> for yeah. Ooh. days mm-hmm. and days and days. Uh, uh, apropos <laughs> or a big no-no? <laughs> oh, I think it was probably a big no-no. That was, I mean, and even Harville's telling him, everyone's considering you an engaged man and he just leaves and I just and you can throw that little line in there I knew she'd recover but it is rough so the only thing going for him in my opinion is he does man up and accept his responsibility like if Louisa wants to marry me I'm going to marry her like it's gonna I'm gonna have to do it doesn't want to do it and it clearly doesn't make him stay but he leaves but you would you would you want that? Would you want someone who didn't actually want you? They were just obligated because they left <laughs> the talking stage of the courtship go too far. I would not. I would but not I know want there was that. gentlemanly code back then. Okay, I guess so the that fact that he's willing easy. to do it. And he didn't really get called to do it. So we don't know if he, he would have gone get, through with then it. Then he would be resentful his mm-hmm. whole life towards her. Would he ever develop actual love? No, he wouldn't. I don't think. I don't. I can't imagine after pining for a perfect Anne for so long. No, and then they would kind of be sort of related. Um, they'd probably keep, continue to bump into each other. So... I, I just not, I, I'm thinking that's a big no-no like but no I'm I'm willing to be like well maybe that was more accepted back then especially because you have so many people that aren't marrying for love in mm-hmm. in that time period anyway um okay well you said that's the one thing he is going for but I did also think well he also has the if he really doesn't want to be with her he's now no longer leading her on because mm-hmm. he was leading her on. Mm-hmm. So is does that change anything for you? It might. That is a good point. But I don't, can you just imagine coming out of it and being like, where's the guy that didn't catch me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a tough, it's a little, that is definitely a gray area for him and his wife. That was not his finest moment. But it's really, I think, played off so well, you know, or or not well. I mean, but it's taken care of so easily, a little too Mm -hmm. easily. Well, Um, it was good that it followed the letter because you've got the letter fresh in your mind to Anne. That letter he wrote to Anne that's so beautiful. And then you're finding out this information. You're like, oh, you know, it's okay. (laughs) What we had to step on to get here. I know. That's the only thing where I'm like, hmm. But you're, you know, I you did say, um, so you're going with a big no-no just to finish it. I think it kind of is. It's pretty, it's pretty rough. I'm glad it worked out that the no-no helped actually. <laughs> it was turned to good, but it's pretty rough. Okay. So having said all of that, um, where does your Wentworth a meter go on a scale of zero to 10? Where are you? I have to see. Well, here's my thing that's interesting. So I love that these two people are reunited after eight years of this steadfast love. But I feel like I know Anne so well, and I don't know Wentworth well. But the only thing that resides well in me is I know Anne knows Wentworth well, and she has awesome intuition. So it lets me know everything's going to be okay. But I still feel like I don't really know him super, super well. (laughs) And then that Louisa thing. So I think I had him as a six or a seven. I think, I know, I think I'm going to keep him as like a seven because I I trust their future is going to, I I just don't know him. Do you feel like you know him? Oh, I feel like I definitely know him. (laughs) So much that he's jumping up from a four to a nine. (laughs) Wow. 
and I'd probably put him higher if if he if I, I still don't think I think there could have been a better way to handle that Louisa situation. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. No, I no, I do totally get what you're saying because if in volume one, I I do think we got to see some of his personality, but I think some of it was he was acting on these mm-hmm. other uh, feelings that he had, like the jealousy and stuff. Um, and I think him saying that, I, what is so what what endears me to him is um, when Anne, it's actually those lines that she's talking about Mr. Elliot, and she says she can't, she can never be with him because he doesn't have warmth and enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. And he, and she wants someone who does and who sometimes says or does a careless or the wrong thing. And it's like, well, there you go. He's exactly what she wants. He says careless things in volume one. But he and apologized he does, and he owns it. And he said, I did the wrong thing. And it was all motivated out of his love for Anne. Mm-hmm. Um, so love makes us fools. <laughs> I, I think he's, I, I, did he prove his worth to me for Anne? He did. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's worked really hard. He's, what's amazing is that he they basically had this plan that he was going to get rich and do everything and then he did it I mean (laughs) he followed through on his promise well you know what I might have to change it to an eight because I did just remember how he gets Mrs. Smith her property in the West Indies yes heart of gold right there you know that's that is definitely a point raiser there i forgot this destitute woman who had and he doesn't even know her except through ian and he's willing it sounds like a lot of trouble honestly (laughs) to get someone's property from there and help her out i did i need to add that to my wentworth meter and he's trying to give lady russell a shot Mm -hmm. um but i i really think it's you know how good is he for ian Oh, I think he's great for Anne. I think she loves him. And I think, I mean, really in, in volume one, I just kept thinking when I first read it before I didn't know how it would end. I thought I can't tell what his motivations are in volume one. But then when I went back and read it, knowing how the story would end, I saw how much attention he paid to her um, and how he he was just continually looking at her when no one else was. And I thought this guy sees her in a way that, that no one else values her or sees her. Mm -hmm. And so I was just, I'm completely won over on him. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The dodgy stuff he was doing, it was, it was all because he loved her. And he didn't know how to handle that. And that would be an awkward situation to be in love with someone. Mm-hmm. They broke up with you. And then you're having to come back, search for a wife in front of them. I mean, that would be very awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she's the one who dumped him, you know? That is true. So how so was he supposed to act? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I'm not trying to win you over, Sarah. No, you, you keep your... What did you have him at a seven? I, did, I ended with an eight. <laughs> that was okay. just too nice. See, I was vacillating between nine and ten. It's just when you said ten was Darcy. I was vacillating between nine and ten. What? <laughs> <laughs> and I love Mr. Darcy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But I I don't know. We you gotta give it anyone listening, give it another read and reread for Wentworth and see what you think about him in the end. That's true. It's the second reading. It's the second reading, it really <laughs> is, where you're picking up some of this stuff and you're like, this guy, he prob- probably half the stuff he says in the beginning in volume one, he's just doing it to mm-hmm. to make waves or to be, you know. Um, which I love. Okay, so there's our Wentworth meters. Uh, do you have an MVP? I do. So I feel like this one person 
sets the course for everything sailing smoothly. And I'm going to call in good old Mrs. Smith detailing Mr. Elliot's horribleness. I love Mrs. Smith is the MPP. I'm assuming it is kind of odd that she's like, should I work my first angle of if you marry Mr. Elliot and I try to get you to talk him into some things, or should I work my second angle where I completely destroy this man's character? You know, I debated that being, let's see if that was an apropos or a no, no, no. She knew all of this terrible stuff about Mr. Elliot. And when Anne, for, when she thinks Anne is getting engaged to him, she's like, you're going to be so happy, honey. You know? <laughs> What a wonderful man. Because she's trying to work that angle of him getting it is a little, but she does it. She tells all this horrible information. I don't know if she was happy about it or felt bad like she was causing her friend pain, but she changes. I feel like she makes the course easier for everyone. She opens the gate wide of let's all hate this man and let's lead our way bravely i don't know unsung hero right, i love that she's the linchpin of the story right there mrs smith coming in hot <laughs> <laughs> all right well i'm gonna have to go for his quick quickly written love note in his fast stepping gait to <laughs> get None other than Captain Wentworth. What is my MVP of Persuasion Volume 2? And Anne was MVP of one. It's just math made in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Sarah, was there um, anything we left out or that you wanted to say about Volume 2 that we have forgotten? Oh, I had an honorable mention for MVP. It um, is the narrator. It is. Um, man, she or he or the, they, the narrator <laughs> is just so fantastic in this book. Um, the the way they'll like that Sir Walter thing earlier where he forgets Mary and then the narrator inserts in, per, in um, parentheses um, about how he could never remember her. She wasn't important to remember or something. I mean, the narrator is just so quick and so funny. That is so true. Just delightful the entire time, ready to delight at each page. (laughs) The witty saying, come back. All right, Sarah, that's going to do it for volume two, but uh, come back and hear us for our thoughts on the new Netflix persuasion movie.